0: This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. If you're like me, then you find that when you're texting or sending emails, there are certain things that you end up typing repetitively, like email addresses, phone numbers, common message replies, and you just wish that there was a way to send it faster. That's where Text Expander comes in. It works everywhere you type, like word processors, emails, messaging apps, and online forums. You can even use it as teams if you have snippets that you want to manage for your company. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. This is the One Thing Podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. You and I, as humans, we have a hierarchy of needs. If you are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it starts with, on a foundational level, psychological needs like the need for air, water, food. We also have safety needs, the need for personal security, employment, resources. We have the need for love and belonging, esteem, and at the highest level, self-actualization. And just like how we as humans have a hierarchy to our needs, it's the exact same thing with our business. Here's the challenge though. As humans, we are instinctually wired to go for these things, to fulfill these needs. Yet our businesses, they are not. And especially during a time of crisis like we are in right now, we have to be hyper clear of what are the needs of our business and of all the needs, if we could only choose one, what's the one that we should fix next? Today, you are going to hear a conversation we did as a part of our monthly One Thing webinar series. Each month, we sit down with a best selling author whose book we believe is aligned with the One Thing to introduce you to them, to help you learn more about their book and explore if it might be a fit for you. Recently, we just had on the best selling author of Profit First, Mike McAllowitz, who you heard in a recent podcast episode, to talk about his upcoming book called Fix This Next. This was an incredible webinar, and we had so much engagement. Mike and I, uh, let's just say we're kindred spirits, and there's lots of witty banner. I know that you will absolutely enjoy this conversation that Mike and I got to have. If you would like to join us live for one of our upcoming webinars, where we sit down with another best-selling author, make sure to pause the episode and go to the one slash monthly webinar. That's the one thing.com with the number one in the URL, the one slash monthly webinar, and you can join us live. As you listen to this webinar, you will hear Mike uh, make an ask. He, he's very clear that the, the, the strongest way that he can serve you and the most economical way that he can serve you is through this book. So if you would like to put these principles into practice, you can head on over to Amazon and search for Fix This Next. And you can get your copy today. It is also available on Audible. And it also will help him in the sense that the more of you that purchase it, the Amazon algorithm will pick that up and automatically turn around and promote it to more entrepreneurs and you'll be helping them as well. So if you'd like to support Mike and other entrepreneurs, head on over to Amazon and pick up a copy of Fix This Next Now. With that, let's get into this conversation with best-selling author, Mike McCallowitz.
1: Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com/ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month.
0: All right, everyone. Welcome to our monthly One Thing webinar series. Every single month, we sit down with a best-selling author whose book we think is aligned with the principles of the One Thing, whose book we think will bring value to you. And on occasion, they just happen to be devilishly handsome as well, like the person you are looking. <laughs> but, at not, today. but not this month, right? <laughs> this month is the exception. And uh, many of you are familiar with the best-selling book Profit First. Uh, today, we are going to talk about a brand new book called Fix This Next, which is highly aligned with the one thing and also highly relevant for everything that is going on in this world. So with that, I am super excited to introduce you all to Mr. Mike Michalowicz.
2: Jeff, thank you so much for having me and and for doing this. I'm particularly excited to talk about Fix This Next because it does work with the one thing. Uh, it coincides perfectly, especially particularly in these crazy uh, economic times.
0: Absolutely. So walk us through what what inspired you to write "Fix This Next"?
2: So it, it ends up it was a little bit of a uh, technical mishap. I'm not the most technically savvy guy at times, and uh, I, I've written many books. You can see I have them strategically positioned for marketing purposes. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I was writing my books, and I, I was considering the next book to write. It takes me about five years to write a book. I'm not a efficient writer, but I, it's, a, it's a labor of love. I love the process. So five years ago. I emailed my readership and said, and they're all business owners, what's the biggest challenge you face in the year? And I must have triple clicked or something because the email broadcast multiple times that same day. And Jeff, people, the same business owner, responded with their biggest challenge for the year with different answers. They responded multiple times with different answers. In the morning, it was, I have a sales problem that I got to fix up this year. And then it was, I have a employee problem. I need to better retain employees. And then the same person answered that evening saying, I have a vision problem. So it became very clear to me, the biggest challenge owners face is
0: knowing what their biggest challenge is. That's hmm. why I wrote the book. Walk us through, because I know many people are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy. You you have a business hierarchy of needs. Walk us through the two.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and if it's okay, I'll start off with this concept called the survival trap because it plays into there's the the hierarchy. I, I think it just it just will set the stage. So um, if everyone that's listening, if you have a piece of paper in front of you, we can do this as an illustration, and you can do it in your mind. You don't need a piece of paper. But here, here's what I found and what set up the hierarchy of needs is: draw the letter A in the center of the piece of paper, and this represent and put it in a circle. It represents now, you know, point A as we would say, and this represents for so many businesses. Crisis or challenge that you're facing now. And I've been walking and talking with tons of entrepreneurs, uh, real estate agents. I was actually just working with some Keller Williams real estate agents, but I've been talking with restaurants, all these different businesses. For many of us, this is crisis. Step two, I want you to draw an arrow in any direction you choose that gets you out of A. So a short distance out of A. So in my example, uh, I just drew it in this one direction. Now draw two more arrows in other directions. And what those arrows represent are simply ways out of A. So I drew hours like that. As the final step, I want you to draw a B in the bottom right corner of that piece of paper. And what B represents is actually the one thing your business needs from you now. It's what you need to do next in your business. Most of us are in the now. We have a problem, we escape it. It gives us temporary relief, but we don't know what's the one thing our business needs. And therefore it moves us to a new A, a new crisis. And then we're in this new crisis and we make a decision to get out of it in whatever path, and it puts us in a new A. And you'll see for most businesses, we start to go in this circular pattern. So I don't know, maybe you can put this in the questions box too. How many folks listening in right now, have you experienced that you come in, you have a plan for the day, yet crisis is there and you got to put out fire. And then you're like, oh, day of putting out fires, but tomorrow will be better. And then tomorrow you put out fires and the next day is putting out fires. If you ever feel that, or you're constantly putting out fires, just say yes in the, in the questions box there. And that's what you're living. Some of us, and tell me if you can relate to this one. Sometimes, one, some, couple people couple people are through number one. Sometimes you have an arrow going in the general direction of B down here. That's called happenstance. Have you ever had that feeling like you're running your business, it's crisis, crisis. And then one day it's like, oh my gosh, it all just clicked. I got all working, baby. This feels great. I don't know what it was, but it was magic. And then the next day, it's crisis. <laughs> why is that? That's called happenstance happenstance happens. Sometimes we make a decision that actually moves us toward the one thing our business needs without even knowing what the one thing is. And that's when you feel that momentary relief. But since we don't know what it is that we're moving toward, we simply move toward the next A and then we start making decisions that move us around in circles. So that's the challenge we face. And and I wanted to share it first because that gets to this thing called the business hierarchy of needs. And uh, this is the back of the book. So it's easy to see. But there is five levels of needs I found in every business. I think there's a common... Actually, I'm convinced there's a common DNA. And Jeff, to your point, it ties into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So just a quick primer on this. Maslow is studying human needs, says the base level need for all of humanity is physiological needs. You and I, Jeff, need to breathe air, drink water, eat food. If that's not addressed, the foundational needs are compromised and nothing else matters. Once that's satisfied, we have what's called safety needs, protection from harm. Then we have uh, belonging to experience companionship and love. And the highest level is called self-actualization. But if any time a base level needs not being satisfied, we will revert to it automatically and biologically. So just a quick example. Right now, this can be considered self-actualization. We're talking about theory, concept. We're going to have very practical tips. But if some guy comes running up behind me and puts like a plastic bag over my head and wraps duct tape around my head, which is, uh, is quite possible. I live in New Jersey. so that's, um, <laughs> If that happens, all, now I'm suffocating. And what matters to me is actually tearing this bag away from my face. I need oxygen. It's a biological response. So it's, in Maslow, he argues that if ever a need is not satisfied, biologically, we'll notice and react to it. Well, the business hierarchy of needs is very similar, except for one significant difference. We are not biologically wired into our business. Sometimes we think we are. We respond by instinct and gut, but we really need empirical information to back it. So this is the business hierarchy of needs. Sales is the foundation. It's the creation of cash for your organization. If you have no sales, you have no cash being created for the organization. The next level above that is profit. Profit is the creation of stability for an organization. You can have all the sales in the world, and if you have no profit, your business is living check by check. It will go under immediately. And sadly, we see this in this environment now. I think it goes It was Warren Buffett who said, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. But when the recession goes out, you see which businesses weren't profitable. Uh, Next level is called order. Order is the creation of efficiency. It's where there's no dependency even on the owner themselves to operate. It can operate on its own. Then we have impact. Impact is the creation of transformation. Actually, uh, what you do with the one thing is clearly about impact. This is where it's not about the transaction. It's about the transformation that comes out of the transaction. The highest level is legacy. Legacy is the creation of permanence, where the business is designed to live in a perpetuity. It's not about the owner or the leadership. The last thing I just want to share is all these elements are happening all the time. But the question is, where are we start for oxygen? What is the need in our business right now? So while businesses will do all these elements, based upon the circumstances around us, we have to evaluate where we need to go. That's the B. So many businesses right now actually have sales needs and, uh, and profit needs even though a few weeks ago or a few months ago, they were focusing on impact and legacy. So that's the business hierarchy of needs.
0: When you look at that hierarchy of needs, what's the one that deep down your gut right now is saying, that's the one? Is it sales? Is it profit? Is it order? Is it impact? Is it legacy? You know, here's something that's interesting, Jeff.
2: I see a lot of businesses saying sales, and it's not sales. And I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know for these individual businesses. We have to find out. But many businesses are reverting to, I need to sell my way out of this. This concept of sales (laughs) cures everything. But in many cases of these businesses, I found if they have some active ongoing sales, it's actually a profit issue. We have to control costs. We have to amplify margin. We have to repackage our offering that's more profitable. So if you have no sales whatsoever, you got to sell something. But if you do so do some sales, we have to be very careful to consider, is it sales or is it really a profit concern?
0: And then address that need accordingly. If only you knew something about profit first. <laughs> I should write a book about it. I don't think it would do very well. No, it would be a flop. <laughs> probably not. It. Probably not. So wh- why is this so relevant to the challenging time that we're in right now? When people look at me,
2: I thought I was telling you this offline. People are confusing me for a Civil War general with this COVID hair going on here. So in the Civil War, we didn't have PowerPoints. We had uh, handhelds. But this is... This is my slide. I actually, if you want, um, I did set up a domain. Uh, and there's no sign up. It's just, it's just the PDFs are there if you want them. It says recession response. So you can go to recessionresponse.com. But uh, this is something I prepared a few days ago in response to what's going on. I, as a business owner, I've been through three recessions. And I found there's a common trend sequence. I then studied all the way back to the Great Depression and found that every single time there's a recession or depression, we go through the exact same five stages. And, and here's what they are very quickly. Um, This dotted line represents an undermined or compromised economy. Every time there's a recession, there's already a compromised economy uh, bubbling under the surface that no one sees. And then there's a trigger event. So the the trigger event back in 2001 was the dot-com bubble and the terrorist attacks. 2008 was the housing collapse, 2020 is COVID. Then we start going on this rapid slide down. And what's interesting, these are the behavioral uh, components of the entrepreneur's response. The first stage is shock. So right when this happens, many people go in shock. Jeff, have you ever been in a car accident? Hopefully not. Have you ever been in a car accident? We experience shock. And people experience it different ways. But what happens is there's over-processing the mind. There's so many inputs. We don't know what to do. And our mind starts to become numb or ignore certain things like broken bones. Some people in shock don't even feel the pain of a broken bone for a few minutes or hours, sometimes even a day or so. Well, when we have what's called macroeconomic crisis, meaning a mass society is affected, shock isn't just for a few hours or a few days. It can extend for months. And so most shock responses will last in an economy like this about eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks. So we're about halfway through it. And what happens in shock is that businesses that that remain there, the business owners take inaction. They take no action whatsoever and the business collapses. So we already start seeing businesses shuddering, not because they should shutter, but the owner didn't know what to do. And they just froze up and said, I don't know. And that stagnation caused the business to collapse. The second stage, and a lot of businesses already transitioned past even this, but the next stage is called desperation. Desperation is where we over-respond. and we, you know, we see it very publicly with this toilet paper insanity. Like there, there, Jeff, there was a guy somewhere who's like, like six weeks ago, was like, oh my gosh, uh, I'm going to need toilet paper, and I'm going to need, I'm going to need a lot of it. So this guy goes running and he buys toilet paper. Other people observing it go, this guy is crazy. Like, what's he doing? And like, well, maybe I should just get toilet paper just in case. Very in the very beginning, is it's laughable, it's funny. Then that little response, that desperation response, becomes now a herd mentality. People do it, and it becomes actually another crisis. There literally is no toilet paper anywhere. So something that was laughable becomes a crisis within a crisis. That's the, the desperation. Now we see this happening out with business too right now. Businesses with the loans. Right, So government says we're going to have the CARES Act, the PPP. We're going to save the world. Here's loans. And there is this mass attack on the loans. And everyone's doing it, even people that don't need the toilet paper, like the uh, Lakers from the NBA, who just scored millions of dollars to protect the most profitable basketball team ever. Shake Shack, oh my gosh, uh, they needed the money more than small business. So there's this kind of herd mentality of big businesses trying to scramble for it because it's a toilet paper run. But then the small businesses get crunched out. The other thing is, there's some small businesses taking loans without even knowing if they need a loan. If you, and this is just a warning, I'm not saying loans are necessarily bad, but here's a word of caution: If you need a loan, ask yourself why. Because we have to fix that root cause. Is it because you, your costs are too high? You need to cut costs. Is it because you don't have right enough sales? Enough sales, you got to amplify sales. A loan will give us a bridge, a period of time. But if you leave things status quo you're just going to fall off that bridge a month or two from now, and you're not only in the same spot as you were before, you also have a loan you got to address. And hopefully, it's going to be forgiven, but it may not be. That's the desperation response. My hope with Fix This Next in our conversation today is to get us to evaluation and actually deliberate action. Evaluation is where we consider what's the one thing we need to do, right? Some businesses sadly get in the analysis paralysis or the worst response, which is, what are the hundred things we need to do? Which is never a priority because then everything's a priority. So we need to figure out the one thing. Once you figure out the one thing, then you must take deliberate action on it. Deliberate action is how you get out of this muck and mire. Step forward, step forward, step forward, not running around. That will position us for the greatest opportunity that's coming. And it happens every recession and depression. There will be a surge. History has proven it out. It's going to happen again. I just don't know if it's going to be a few more weeks or, or six, seven months or a couple of years, but it will come. There's an interesting phenomenon, something that you may be aware of and something you may not be aware of. What you may be aware of is right now, this is supply, this is demand. Supply is dropping off because of inaction and freeze up, right? The tide has gone out, the naked swimmers have been exposed, they're going away. So if you can sustain and maintain through this, the demand stays here and the supply drops. So there's, uh, there's d- greater demand than supply. Now, this is what's called pent-up demand, meaning some of the demand is not taking action right now. They're frozen up too. They're not going away. They're just delaying their purchase decision. So there's pending and queuing up demand. The second thing, so people know that, but one thing people don't know is right now, there's what's called a downstream-upstream effect. The downstream-upstream effect is this. Every vendor will lose, on average, a percentage of clients. I don't know if it's 1% or 2 I think on average, 10%. Not because of any other reason, except for it's a justification to leave you. I have about 10% of my clients, I believe, that said, you know what, Mike's a great guy, but I don't really know if I'm getting value. I don't know if I want to do this. Subconsciously, they've always been waffling on their decision, even though they went with me. Now they have an excuse, a justification. Well, there's a pandemic. There's a recession. I need to stop. And maybe that's a subconscious decision. But now that I get the call and say, hey, this is really affecting me, I'm out of here. The mistake that businesses are making is they're turning and looking downstream to the clients we lost, the 10%. So in my one business, I was telling you about 450 clients. If I lose 10%, it's 45 clients. Well, that's devastating to look there. But the opportunity is actually to turn 180 degrees and look upstream. Collectively, my competition has about 50,000 potential clients of mine. They are losing their 10% too. That means 5,000 clients are now entering the upstream market. They are like, "Mm, I don't know if I like my vendor. I'm leaving and I'm looking. So 5,000 looking for a new vendor, 45 people left me. The mistake is to keep trying to grab 45. What I need to do is start marketing to the 5,000. Educational marketing is often a good opportunity. Actually, I'm working with a real estate agent from Keller Williams, who I taught this process and we're doing this. Look upstream. Now, the best part is this, according to the Pareto principle, that 20% of any market is the strongest part of the market. So I got 5,000 people entering the market. 20%, 20%, that's 1,000 people, are actually in an active buying mode. The other 4,000 is pent-up demand. They're simply looking for the new, no, like, and trust. So, so here's a quick example, and then I'll stop talking. I get so pumped up about this. Um, real estate agent from Carol Williams calls me. I'm in northern New Jersey. She says, uh, no one's uh, going to houses anymore because you can't show houses. Um, so she goes, I'm afraid of the clients. I'm losing the prospects that were in the buying mode. Uh, I think I'm in real trouble. I said, well, let's turn and let's look upstream. So we had a conversation. We said, well, what's what's the biggest advantage of being a real estate agent? What gives you the advantage? And she says, well, if people know me as the authority for this community, if I'm the expert on this community, I win. So we said that's the opportunity for the 5,000 coming downstream. She called the fire chief, the police chief, the mayor, the school principal, and interviewed them on the COVID response how are you responding to COVID? How's that affecting our community? It's affecting the real estate market. What, what's the opportunity here? How's the police protecting us? You know, but, but All these great questions. Now she's got these YouTube videos that she's putting live online. And now people who are entering the market looking to buy in this community are Googling, You know, what's going on in... I live in a town called Bootin. What's going on in Booten? And you find the video of her. She's positioning herself as the expert. That's what we need to do. Look upstream, serve upstream, because the surge is coming. And that's one of the one things to consider to doing to catch the surge that's coming.
0: Yeah, it, earlier today, Gary was um, having a chat just about some of his big ideas and, and in a shift or a recession. And he said a recession is just another word for exposure. It exposes your thinking. It exposes your heart. It exposes your models. It exposes your people. It exposes your actions. It exposes your money. Yeah. And one of the things he said that I wrote down and put in bold was that a transfer of thinking leads to a transfer in actions which leads to a transfer in wealth. And he said that in in, in every recession, there is a transfer in wealth. And if you want to participate in that, you have to change your thinking, which means you're going to have to change your activities. And um, that was just so clear in terms of people waking up and realizing, okay, we can no longer be in the passenger seat on this. The pandemic is here. We have no idea how long our life is going to be this way. We have no idea what the economy and demand is going to look like when shelter in place is lifted. So how do we get back in the driver's seat? So let me ask you this, Mike. From a mindset standpoint, yeah. the people that adopt this, this very well, what's the mindset that they have right now? Yeah. So
2: to your point is, I will not participate in this recession. And um, there there's other <laughs> people that are saying, I will participate. And of course, it's not the words we choose. If we choose to participate, we start behaving consistent with the slide down. If we choose not to participate, we start spinning up. And in fact, I have multiple strategies on, on ways to reposition the thinking. Um, one of the tips is I call it the one step back. I actually I think of a slide here on it. Uh, here it is, um, and it's a real cool way of, of thinking. Um, and I'll share how restaurants are doing this. That at least the ones I'm working with is if you look at your historical offering. So a restaurant. The final offering, if you will, the final deliverable is putting food on the table. Well, every business, regardless of the business you're in, has multiple steps that you have to get, take care of to get to the final deliverable. We have to realize, and what I see businesses that are not participating in the recession saying is, oh, I have all these alternative offerings. These are an accumulation of many offerings that get to the final offer. I'll give you the example of the restaurant. So restaurant final offerings you put food on the table. We ask ourselves, what happens one step back from that, right? Rewind one step. Well, you carry food to the table. Okay, so carry out and take out is an obvious solution. In some restaurants, hopefully many are doing that. But you also need to amplify that. Once you see, here's an offering, how do you improve upon that? Well, one restaurant in this area, the perfect thing, they teamed up with a food truck collaboration. The food truck is doing runs into neighborhoods for dinner deliveries and the restaurant is no longer really a restaurant. It's a cooking center. They're turning out so many meals as a result. Great alternative, great profit center. But you keep on going one step back. So what happens one step before the waiter puts food on the table? Well, it's prepared in the kitchen. Okay, so the preparation of food is maybe an opportunity. Can you sell your five most popular menu recipes uh, you know, for, to your patrons? Maybe they'll buy that. Can you record a video of how to prepare these meals? Or if you really want to amplify it, I don't run cooking classes. I'm working with a restaurant that's doing that now. They reached out to their patrons and said, can't eat our meals anymore, but you can have them at home. We'll teach you how to make the exact meals. But even better, get your whole family together. It's going to be a two-hour celebration in cooking and laughter. And some of your neighbors are going to be there too, so you can connect with your community. They're bringing connection, food, uh, experience, all in a way that's actually more profitable than the original model, which was cooking at their restaurant. Well, what happens one step back? And you can see, we can keep on rewinding. Just one more example. One step before you prepare the food, you have to procure the raw inventory, the meats, uh, the vegetables, the condiments. Well, now you can become a, a blue apron for your community. Carve up that, those ingredients and ship them out to people that maybe participate in your cooking classes or not. So the opportunity and one, one strategy that people are using that are not participating in the recession are are, are repackaging their offerings by rewinding their original offering into segments and finding where the new segment is, the new offering resides.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, what I'm hearing there is a commitment to figuring it out and yeah. recognizing that they are going to have to make... They're changing their thoughts. They're changing their actions. They're behaving in different ways to come up with ways to drive sales, which ways to drive profit, and all the way through your hierarchy of needs. Exactly. Exactly. You know,
2: another way to do this is uh, so if your needs is sales and profit, that level is simply ask your customers. I got a. uh, I'll show you a way to do this and a way not to do it. I I got a non-email from a vendor. I have a vendor who just went totally ghost on me. And I think one of the biggest mistakes to make is just going quiet with your customers because your customers are under such duress, they're not even thinking what's going on, and then they don't hear from you. They assume you're out of business. So one of the first things to do is to reach out to your clients and say, I'm still in business. But I'll tell you how to do it, and how not to do it. So this is a way not to do it. And I don't mean to pin Chevy against the wall, but I'm about to pin Chevy against the wall. I own a Chevy. It's a, the car's fine. And I got an email, Jeff. It was the worst email ever. The opening line said, we're all in this together. And that is the worst line to use. Because I'm like, okay, don't pander to me. I know you're going to try to be opportunistic and sell to me here. For God's sake, I know we're all in this together. The next line said, at Chevy, we have you protected. You know, we, we've uh, cleaned our facilities and we're ready to change your oil, Mike. Ready to go for a long drive? We'll change your oil. And I'm like, I, are you suggesting to leave my infected city to go to the next infected city? Thank you, Chevy. And then it went on and it said, um, it said hey, maybe you want to buy a new car and go for that long drive with your family. It said, we're ready to put a car in your driveway without even seeing any of our salespeople. I'm like oh great so you can give me a car so I can drive around the world and then spread COVID thank you Chevy, it was such an opportunistic email. Now listen, I, I'm not trying to pin Chevy the company. It's it's just someone in marketing was not thinking. But there was another company that responded shockingly in a very effective way. And their company that historically uh, is not one that I'm too impressed by is United Airlines. But I was very impressed this go around. I'm a, I fly United Airlines because their hubs here in New Jersey. Emails uh, they sent me six weeks ago says. Hey, um, a lot of people aren't traveling right now as a result of the pandemic. Uh, we want you to know as a loyal member, we've extended your benefits for another year or two. And I'm like, ah, oh. that was, it was one paragraph. They took care of me and I knew they existed. Two weeks later it says, Hey, you have a flight coming up in July. You may not want to do that. Most people have canceled. We're ready to serve you if you do want to fly that day. But, uh, if you don't, you can get a full refund now. Just a heads up. Like, whoa, it took care of me. The lesson here is this. If, if we're going to get through this pandemic effectively, it is through actually more frequent communication with our customers in smaller tangible bites and by asking them what they need. I'll give you a mm. suggested template. Actually, I have a template at Recession Response, that link you shared. It says email templates. So you can just copy and paste this if this satisfies you. But instead of saying we're all in this together, saying, I hope this message finds you well. And I can't imagine, because we can't. How this may be affecting you. So please take my well wishes. And that's it. That's just acknowledging that we're all human and we can't make an assessment of other people. Then the next line says, We want you to know we're still here open for business, but you may not need us at this time. That's acknowledging the truth. Then we simply ask, And it's possible you need us in a new way. If we can serve you in a new way or something you thought of, please tell us because we want to see if we can accommodate it. That's the ask. And then the very last line says, But please don't feel an obligation to respond. You have to. It's most important that you take care of your family and your situation. We just want you to know we're here. And that email is an authentic, candid hmm. email that gets the response you need. And then those responses people give you start catering to those needs.
0: It, it's interesting when, when all this happened. You know, within hmm. the first week, and I and I had a chat with my partner Jay, and he said. Um, you know your your G- your GPS your business plan for the year is dead i'm divorcing you from all the financial commitments that you made for the year like that is all out the window yeah right now you need to get in touch with our with our customers yeah. and you need to just figure out how do we serve them service yeah. first sales yeah. second head down, hard up. This is the time to to serve people. And how do we just build a protective mode around people and serve them at the highest level? And he told me that if you just reach out to people and figure out what they're dealing with, it will likely lead us to where the market is now that we're not currently aware of. And what became super clear, Wicked Fast, like you and I were talking about before we went live, like on the corporate side, the demand actually went up. Yes. Because... Because nobody was clear on the priorities. People weren't clear on how to work from home. And if we could provide something virtually for them so their people could be clear and productive, win-win.
2: You know What I I just heard between the lines of what you said, which I think is the most powerful thing that everyone listening in can take away, is we actually have an obligation to sell in this market, but not opportunistically, right? Through service. And there's a subtle but extraordinary difference. Opportunistic is where I take advantage of someone's disadvantage. Yeah, And sadly, there's unscrupulous people entering the market now because the easy prey and doing that. But an opportunity is where you identify what people need and you serve it by selling. And I would say we have an obligation to sell because the only way you can be of service is if you are serving yourself too. I can only sustain if I'm making money. If I give, and there's there's been businesses areas that we have to give to the community and give, and I agree, but they gave everything they got and they're out of business now. They gave wonderfully for three weeks and are done. And that's an ultimate shame because they're never going to come around again. But businesses that give while sustaining themselves through sales can give into perpetuity. But there's another reason why you're obligated to sell. And the reason is is because buyers are going to buy. There is consumers in the market that say, I need a solution, and they're looking. And if we're not selling, we're just of service, they put no value in us. If I give you something for free, what's it worth? Nothing. Nothing. People invest or people are become as vested in the outcome as the investment they make so if i invest nothing in something i'm not invested in the outcome if i invest a million dollars in something i'm very vested in this being successful because that's a lot of money that's a yeah. lot of money so when, the more i invest in something the more vested i'm in the outcome and we have to be fair i'm not i am not saying take advantage of customers and charge them more but i'm saying you must charge them to be for them to be best in the outcome But the last element, and to me, this is the most important, is buyers are going to buy. And there's these unscrupulous people who've entered the market and are trying to sell into the market. If you're not making yourself available, if you're not selling into the market, the customer is only going to be aware of the unscrupulous guy. And I know the people watching, Jeff, are good people because you're here to learn. If you're here to learn, it means you care. And it means if you care, you are the one who has to win the customer. You have to win. So you actually have an obligation to sell. It's the only way to protect the customers because they
0: are going to buy, they got to buy from the good people. I love that. I got kind I of on the words there, but I'm, I believe no, it's in- good. So let's five to 10,000 feet. I mean, when I think about these business hierarchy of needs, whether it be sales, whether it be profit, whether it be, was it organization or operations? What was the third yeah, one? Order. There we go. So sales, profit, order, impact, and legacy. How do I figure out where my hole really is? How do I figure out what is the thing Great that question. I need to fix net next? Great question. So you send me a check for a million dollars. There we That's go. option one. That's option one. Do you accept baby
2: kisses <laughs> or baby kisses? Yeah, that was that was option two. All right, here's what it is. Uh, you simply ask the: Is there any or is there adequate? And this, here's how it works. You st- always start at the base, like Maslow's Heart of needs. It, it, are you, is there any air going into your lungs? If not, you have a problem. You can't breathe. The second question is: There adequate? Right? Is there adequate air? Am I am I getting some air? Now, the funny thing is, more air won't serve you. There's a certain point where where adequate's enough. But if you try to take in more and more error, there's no benefit. You just need the adequate level to support the level above it. So in the business market of needs, are there any sales whatsoever? If there's no sales, we need to generate sales. Now you know methods. Use the one setback technique. Ask your customers. But then we ask, is there adequate sales to support profit? And you'll only know that if you look at profit and say, is there any profit? If there's no profit and you have some sales, you likely actually have a profit issue we need to resolve first. And then we can reevaluate sales. We keep on asking that same series of questions. Is there any profit? Is there adequate profit to support efficiency order throughout the organization? Is there any order? Is there an adequate order? And you keep going up. Now, the part I just want to remind people of, all these elements are playing out at the same time. Just like Maslow's hierarchy. As we're talking right now, the breathing is happening automatically. Something we don't have to worry about. Just like uh, in, in the business hierarchy, you may be focused on driving profit, but the other, other elements are playing out. The question simply is, where do you concentrate? What's the one thing you need to resolve in the moment? Once Mm. you fix it, we go through the any inadequate
0: evaluation going up the chart again. So I want to jump to profit first here because you know, in a recession, you have to right-size your business for the market as it is today. And I give people a very high level of what is profit first and how does that actually apply, especially in a time like this? Oh, it's awesome. So
2: I got... Dude, and I know you don't. I, I told you I got a couple of slides. I know you don't know what they are. So it's not stage, but I got 25 answers for you right here. <laughs> um, it's all it, everything you get it. It's at recessionresponse.com, and there's no signups or anything. It's just, you'll see it. It's just a link, and you can access it and print it or delete it, whatever you want. So if you've done profit first, the key people are asking me, should I change my profit percentage? Should I take less profit now? Should I take more? The answer is neither. You leave the profit percentages exactly as they are because the business will speak to you. If you see your OPEX depleting with your maintained profit percentages, that's telling you you have a cost issue. If you see the OPEX uh, reserves actually increasing, it means you have a profit opportunity. So you have to wait for the business to speak to you. But cash flow management, that's what profit first is, the essence of cash flow management is critical here. I just wanna give you a couple tips. There's a thing called the first asker advantage. And the time is running out now, so you better move quickly. But basically, the first to ask is most likely to get. The second is a 50 50, and the third person and otherwise is unlikely. Here's an example I'm in my building right here. It's a five story building. We have one floor in the building, there's multiple tenants. We went to the landlord six weeks ago when this broke and said, We have to ask you something. We like leniency in our uh, our lease. Now, the thing is, we are profitably sustainable. um, So we didn't ask for a discount in the lease. I don't think that's moral morally appropriate or ethically appropriate. But what we did ask is for a shortened term. We're in a five-year lease. We said that we'd like to crunch it down to six months. with uh, And once we serve those six months, a two-month out at any time because we don't know what's coming. And the landlord's like, absolutely, you got it. The second person that went in, I don't know what they got. And the third person that went in for that meeting it was about an hour meeting and they did not come out with a smile. So the first asker advantage is if you need something, you better ask now, particularly when it comes to leniency. A couple more fast, rapid tips on profit First. A lot of expenses are against credit cards and debit cards. And in a situation like this, things are moving so quickly, we don't know where the expenses are coming. We have to move so fast. So we're actually ignoring the expenses. Here's a real simple strategy. Call your credit card company and or debit card company and do what's called a reissuance of the cards. Have them send you new cards with new numbers. Tell them, don't transfer the subscription. It's like a a canceled card or, or a stolen card, but you get a new card. So you still have your credit. But all those things that were pinging your debit and credit cards now those people can't hit your credit card. They call you and say, "Hey, you owe me this money." This is a simple way to reassess. Oh, there's an expense I have to pay. I, I had when I did this. I had a gym membership. I fulfilled my obligation over a year ago, and I was still paying for it. And I wasn't going to the gym. Actually, I'm not even in the same town anymore. I moved away. I still paying. I caught it by doing this. So a real simple strategy. One more tip I want to share, just from this, um, mm-hmm. is is everyone, every business owner. Should set up a COVID 19 account in your accounting system immediately. It's a general ledger account. And here's the idea any expenses you're incurring related to COVID, uh, equipment that you need to buy, cleaning supplies, maybe you had to have people go remote, maybe you had to block out an hour to listen to this webinar to get trained on how to handle COVID. Any expenses you're incurring directly related to the COVID response, you enter against that GL account because. When the government asks for uh, offers any kind of reimbursements or forgiveness, you may, they may ask for an accounting of it. Now you can extrapolate that information very quickly and say, "Here it is." If you ever get insurance claims, uh, you'll need to do that. If if you ever want to get a loan for your business and you have to produce your financials, you have to prove why you've had a dip in financials. So now you can pull it out. If you ever want to sell your business, sell your business. So set up a GL account and track it immediately.
0: I feel like I just put a quarter in the mic machine, and I feel like I got at least two dollars out. So I'm I'm pretty happy okay. on that one right now. <laughs> no, it's good. And and I saw a comment in our in our questions box from Jenny McCarty, who's um, by the way, Jenny, happy anniversary. She's been a member with us for for three years now, and she said we're we're so grateful for Profit First. It's the only reason our business is going to survive. We implemented the system last fall, and we're in a good place right now. Congratulations! I'm proud of you. Proud yeah. of you. Um. Somebody asked what GL stands for. General
2: ledger. And general ledger is it's uh it's it's an accounting of a number without incurring expense against it. So it's a, in this case, it simply says, you know, if I if I have to spend money buying equipment, what was the intended use of that equipment? Well, it was to to clean up after COVID. So it just accounts that that number was allocated to an intended use. That's a general ledger
0: account. General Mike, expense. We fast forward five years, we're hanging out. And uh, we're jump roping together because you, r- r- you, you finally bought the jump rope. And yep. um, we're reflecting back on this time. And I ask you, you know, think about the people who really implemented the, the model of Fix This Next and, and really came out of this time even stronger. What did they do that everybody else didn't?
2: Great they okay so they went to the core need that the business has and not the panic response they didn't think they could sell their way out of it they 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 between every action reaction there needs to be consideration and right now in this this moment we're living in there's action reaction without consideration so businesses are going as fast as possible they're just saying that desperate people do desperate things and that's what hmm. we're seeing this pattern result in these are the businesses that contemplated i'll give you an example because I, I just got in a few days ago. There's a coffee company that's doing Fix This Next, and it's called Cottonwood Coffee. So here it is, and uh, they make coffee, and coffee shops were shut down as of about four weeks ago, five weeks ago. They did Fix This Next, and they evaluated that they had a sales problem. But within sales, there's five different levels of sales. They had what's called a conversion problem, meaning the product was no longer accessible. So it triggered them to have to reinvent the product, something that fixed this next points into. They went through a product reinvention and they made this. I don't know if you can see it. It's called Cold Brew Coffee with Immune Immune Booster. So they started infusing immune boosters in their coffee. So this is one of the first prototypes that rolled out on uh, April 16th there when it was bottled, uh, batch number one. And uh, as a thank you, they sent this to me because they read Fix This Next. This company is selling more coffee, uh, in this category than any other category that they sell currently. Uh, it's dominating the space. And, and they're very candid. It's not like this does not cure COVID by any stretch of imagination. But they said, you get to continue your habit. You like to drink coffee, keep drinking coffee, but also know that you're getting vitamin D3 and these other supplements that increase increase and improve your immune system. So you're taking at least one small step in the right direction by doing what you already love. And this is starting to move fast. That's the type of thing I'm expecting to see play out. Uh, and here about in five years, But the businesses that have to do it right now, they have to pinpoint that one thing to work on.
0: Yeah. I I got into business with Gary and Jay November 1st of 2015. And every time I saw Gary get on stage, he was saying, prepare for the shift. Yeah. Prepare for the shift. Prepare for the shift. And he was always saying, in every shift, there is a gift. Because yep. it really forces you to look at your business and the things there. There, every single one of us in some areas of our life are succeeding in spite of ourselves, yes. not because we're actually doing the right activities. And this is just revealing where the weaknesses are. It's it's exposing it all. And Kaylin and I did a, a, a podcast recording recently, and she looked up at the definition of apocalypse. Not to say that this is an apocalypse, but it was basically the unveiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Exactly. Right? And so to a love for this coffee company to say, look, this is the way that every other coffee coffee company operated, but they use it as an opportunity to think differently. And immediately. Yeah. So I consider this the
2: ultimate petri dish for entrepreneurship. Yeah. Meaning needs are shifting. There's all new needs that are afoot. So what many business owners are thinking about is the loss saying, I'm losing opportunity. You're not losing, well, you are losing opportunity if you don't see what the shift is. There's new opportunity. So we keep on looking at what's gone and saying, you know, who moved my cheese? There's a famous book about that. And now it's in a brand new spot. But some businesses are thinking forwardly right now saying, where's the new need and trying to cater to it. That's right. The interesting thing, we see it over and over again out of every single recession becomes this boom, this massive uh, boom of small businesses that position themselves right. Actually, some of the most successful businesses are birthed during recessions. So it's going to happen again, and it's going to happen
0: if you consider where the opportunity is now. Yeah, I love this. I love this. Um, Jason Murray put a, a comment in here that I think you would appreciate. He said, "After finding out I was roughly three quarter million dollars in debt, I read Profit First and The One Thing back to back. They literally saved my life. When the, the tide went out, I was I was one of the few wearing shorts."
2: Jason, I am proud of you. Actually, Jeff, we were talking offline. Uh, I'd yeah. love to just share a little bit about fixes Next. Thank you. So uh, I do want to have one to ask, Jason, for you, actually for everyone listening in. Um, and it's, it's my bold ask. It's bold because I'm asking, but I believe it's the greatest way I can be of service to you. And also, selfishly, it serves me. So I ask for two reasons. If, you're, if you will, right now, as we're doing this live, because I'd love to see in the chat, if you could share it with Jeff and we can talk about it, please go to Amazon right now and get yourself a copy. of of this a hardcover book fix this next here's the reason i ask it is hands down the most affordable and effective way i can serve you this is my life's work i spent the last five years devoted to this and this is the greatest book i've ever written in my opinion i've written profit first clockwork this is even more impactful it will serve you i wrote this book for this crisis this exact moment i didn't know this would be this big or this would happen i knew the shift was coming so my first ask is if you're willing to do this now uh Get it because this will serve you. I promise you. But I have a second reason. If you do it now, it causes this uh, effect on Amazon. They have an algorithm that when they see multiple people buying at the exact same time, it triggers the Amazon engine to start marketing it to other entrepreneurs. So if you are willing to buy it now, it will also advise and notify other entrepreneurs through the Amazon system, and that serves me. And that would be huge because then I can get bigger exposure for this. So if you're willing to do it now, just put in the chat and just say you bought one whatever because I want to personally thank you. Uh, For doing that, that's a big deal to make. Um, Amy asked if it's available on Audible, and it's on Audible too. So if you prefer Audible, you can get the hardcover or Audible. Uh, If you want to go crazy, get the combination because I read the Audible in a way that when you read along the book, there's breakouts in the Audible that point to elements of the book and come back in. So you discover kind of secrets
0: within the book by working with the two together. If you Debbie asked what what order should between Profit First Clockwork Fix this next. If you had to put them in order. Of reading, which would it be? Yeah. So I, I used to say whatever I was excited about.
2: Then I got <laughs> smarter and said, well, what's the biggest challenge you have? Like, what's <laughs> the biggest true problem in your business? That's the book to serve you. And then I found that most people don't know what their biggest challenge is. And if you don't know the one critical thing your business needs from you immediately, fix this next is
0: the answer. There you go. So um, Leslie Nelson said she already got hers pre ordered. Um, Lynn Shell says she's got both in her cart. Jay Banks nice, said they got thank it. You. Dr. thank you, Nemchenko, thank you. I'm sorry if I bought your name. I'm trying real hard, though. Uh, took care of it. Kenneth, Stephen Jones, Stephanie, you. Kim, you, Stephanie. Tasha, Shannon, Sharon. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, that's they're, they're huge.
2: Lying. Thank you so much. You are truly serving me. I, I promise it'll serve you. I'm so proud of this book, but thank you because you're serving me. It literally gets the engine going. We will see an impact. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and um,
0: we'll export the chat and, and send it to you as well. Yeah, Mike, well you you can see thank, much thank you. Thank you. I see yeah, I'm doing absolutely. it now. Awesome. Rock and roll. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Folks, I mean, this, is, this was all lined up. The whole reason we do this webinar is because we, we asked the question, who are the other thought leaders out there that we have a relationship with that we want to introduce you to? This is all in service of you. What are the questions we have not asked Mike yet that just, well, you'd be remiss if we didn't ask it? Put it in the questions box. Mike, what's the yeah. question I haven't asked you that you want me to ask you? I got it right here, man, because I thought you were going to ask it. Um, <laughs> I, I,
2: I, <laughs> you and your slides, it's the best. Me and my slides, me and my paper slides. Someone, uh, I was doing a, a presentation, someone was like, can, can, we at least afford, can you at least afford a color printer instead of this? So um, this is called the 10-10-10 method. And this is not something that's my concept. This came from Susie Welsh. She was married to Jack Welsh, the CEO of, uh, of GE. The CEO of GE, he passed away. She wrote this great book, um, but admittedly, you don't need this slide. I don't even know if you need her book, even though I do suggest it. Uh, the concept is extraordinary. And it's something that you already uh, highlighted, Jeff, is most of us don't reflect back. You said, what happens you know, five years from now? Well, most of us look at the immediate impact. So the 10-10-10 method is a way to look at the immediate, the midterm, and long term. How do I feel about my decision in 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years and can change your decision? For example, I, I have a small business. I have 12 employees. If I have to consider, and I'm not right now considering this, but if I had to consider laying someone off in the next 10 minutes, how will I feel about that? I'll be devastated. You know, this employee's been so loyal to me. They're 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 driven, they don't deserve to be laid off. I gotta keep them. Um, I'll do everything to keep them, even though they kill my business. That's the 10-minute reflection. But what if I lay them off and I look back in 10 months? Well, 10 months from now, I may say, you know what, Mm. I made a smart decision to maintain the business. It was painful in the moment the government has set up this cushioning like never before for furloughed employees so my employee at least has a safer landing and i sustain the business in fact maybe in 10 months i can hire that employee back and my business around well what happens in 10 years well 10 years from now my business may have grown even more in fact i may even be able to achieve selling the business which is my ultimate goal so that's going to be amazing if i can stick around so instead of just reflecting 10 minutes saying i'm not going to lay off this employee now i look at the short term midterm and long term and i say the best thing to do As painful as it is, it's to lay off that employee, furlough them for now, so that I can sustain this business and return them and grow more. So that's called the 10-10-10 method. And I just felt compelled to share that because all of us can use that in any consideration we're making. I actually see some orders coming through the chat here. So thank you for everyone that's doing it.
0: Yeah. I love that because I immediately thought of some, some personnel decisions that I've, I've had to make in the past. And in the moment, because you're so close to it and it is so painful, um, it clouds the judgment. Yeah. And yet, if you ask the question, great, in 10 months, how will I feel? In 10 years, how will I feel? Um, that is super. It's like reverse hyperbolic discounting. Do you know hyperbolic discounting? No, actually, you used too big of a word there. So yeah, there know. you go. So th- that was me sounding smart for the day. Um, hyperbolic. It, it's it's why people struggle to say no. It's we are so tied to saying yes to the thing that has immediate gratification. If you, if you can get a hundred dollars today or a thousand dollars at the end of the year, you know every logical person says take the thousand. Yet the data actually shows that they won't because the immediate because the payoff is too far in the future. Yes. They say, they, they say no to it. And that's what happens as they go through their day. That's why they say yes to email. It's why they say yes to every meeting. It's why they say yes to every God a minute. And they actually yes. say no to doing the one thing while the one thing has a much, the, the, the result is far down the line. But what you just talked about is the reverse of it. The pain is so intense in the moment that we we let it cloud our judgment versus asking the questions that will take us into the future, which is when it really matters, where the pain is actually lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's making those
2: those long term considerations feel immediate because then you can put more value in it.
0: Yeah. St- Stephen Jones asked a great question, which is, as a leader of an office, what would be the best way to share and teach this message? Oh, I swear to God, like Stephen,
2: I got a slide for you. I got a slide for everything. We call it evolve. <laughs> I gotta find it. I call it evolve. Here it is. Evolve communication. Uh, I'm gonna so start I'm- sending you random text messages and be like, "Do you have a slide yeah, for that?" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mike, how tall are you? I got a slide for it. Um, So this is the Evolve Communication Method, and um, it's an acronym for the six forms of communication. The the highlight here is the first five are all actually different types of listening skills. And the last one is a communication method um, or, or speaking method. When it comes to speaking, most leaders yield advice, and that's actually a mistake we're finding it's better to share experience. So instead of saying, here's what you need to do, saying, from my experience, this is what we did before. And people are much more sensitive and listen much more closely when it's a story about how something was addressed as opposed to a directive. So that was one fascinating insight. The other stuff is what's called empathetic listening. Many leaders right now are so much about, we got to go and survive, they've stopped the listening component. And yet we need our employees to listen because it's their lives too. So with our little team here, we're having weekly meetings where it's just about, how are you holding up? How are you doing? And we're talking actually it's on one-to-one so there's any private conversation. And so one employee, we didn't, I didn't even know this, uh, was in the process of buying a new house. That was her dream. And that was wonderful Though so they sold their old house and uh, then the the pandemic hit and the, all the mortgage stuff has gone out the window, can't get a house. She was homeless. And so just by learning, saying, oh my gosh, we were able to adjust her schedule uh, to, to get the time she needed to find a home. And I actually now secured the, the dream home because we were listening and, and, and allowed her and available the time. So empathetic listening, you'll discover all the different pathways and things that your employees need. And now you can correlate it and correspond it with the pathway of your organization. I, I used to think saying the vision and repeating it over and over and hitting that drum was the number one thing. But now I've discovered it's actually choreographing everyone's vision and needs together to march toward a vision of the corporation, which honestly is the business owner. It's only my vision. So as long as I can satisfy everyone else's needs and listen empathetically for what they need now, I can then align this all together to continue to march to where I want to take us.
0: What's, what's your one thing right
2: now? My one thing right now is, uh, is the creation of new products. The old model is gone. And so um, Mm -hmm. I think books are still going to be successful in a new format, but uh, I think it's going to be a new format. And what it is is uh, engaged um, products where where there can be kind of bilateral communication, but bidirectional communication. Most products are uh, uh, in my space is here's concept, teach, 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 and uh, and that's it. Well, there's such course overwhelm. It's now like it's educational fatigue that's happening. So mm-hmm. now we're trying to develop products that are iterative, like almost like a choose your own adventure more. So it can still be a one to many. But we move a little step ahead and say, What's the challenge? Or have you got this part? Here's the new direction. And um, so instead of this linear communication, it's this, this uh, choose your own adventure effectively. So we're, we're under product development in that space. That, that's the one thing, mastering that. Um, I, I, six weeks ago, I didn't think that would be it. I was like, Oh, it's courses, it's courses. But as we started learning from customers, yeah. there's so much need for immediate questions to be answered that we don't have time to digest six hours of coursework to find the one answer. I need the one answer and then I need the next answer that I need, not that everyone else needs. And so it's through this
0: Choose Your Own Adventure path. Well, um, I'm glad I asked. We've been doing some masterminds. Jay asked me the question, who are some of the thought leaders and training companies that we think will come out of this situation even stronger Yeah, versus the ones that are just going to kind of fade away? And we've been reaching out strategically to those ones and doing masterminds. So let's have a talk. And I'm happy to share some of the best practices. Oh, I and, love and learn learning from them. Learning. Yeah, man. Are they absolutely. all saying, do not do choose your own adventure. That's the worst thing you can do right now. <laughs> Shockingly, they said, get your things down to slides. You're right.
2: <laughs> get, get on paper slides. <laughs> on paper slides. Unfocused
0: yeah. paper slides. That's the way. The yeah, I love that. Um, so Lenore, it was hyperbolic discounting. Uh, Charlotte asked a question, which is, uh, and I'm going to adapt it a little bit, but what do you suggest for, from a mindset standpoint for the people whose industries are, the entire industry is in question right now? How do you apply something like the 10-10-10 or just thinking about what to fix next when the entire industry could be at risk? So this is the
2: ultimate in preparation. Because I got a slide for it. It's called block control. So this is... You know, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing <laughs> you throw my way, I feel. So block control. I had no idea you had slides, folks. This is so I, I know. I know you didn't. Here's what block control is. Block control is how our mind works in that when we feel overwhelmed, it's because the considerations are for too long. When, when I say, oh my God, that my, my business is destroyed, I often say my business is destroyed forever, right? So the length of time is forever. And therefore, I feel no control. I feel overwhelmed. So what we start doing is we start rewinding from forever, start back in blocks and say, well, what's the future look like for one year? Can we manage to do something in the next year? And for many of us, particularly in this crisis, one year is way too much time. So then we rewind to one month. Is there something we can control in the next month? And that may be too much. Then one week, one day. For many entrepreneurs right now, what can we simply get done this week or for many of us, this day? What's the one thing I can do just to get through today and move myself forward? And admittedly, if that's too much, you can go back to the hour. And some people that are really struggling, what can I do in the next minute? Like I'm laying in bed, I can't get out of bed. In the next minute, I can simply open my eyes and keep them open. And you do that, you start moving in very
0: small blocks. So it's called block control. And and this is when we talked about just reaching out with the heart of a servant to find the market. This is exactly what we found in the corporate space was these companies had been disrupted and they couldn't actually see to the end of the year anymore. They couldn't yes, see their yes. five-year vision. And if leaders didn't have clarity on where people should be focusing and they're no longer with their people every day in person, what are the chances that their people even have clarity on where they should be focusing? And exactly. as a result of the lack of clarity, the percentages of emails being received went through the roof. The percentage of, of conference calls went through the roof. So people had more time being occupied by unimportant things. Yeah. And that yeah. created the opportunity, which was how can you help somebody create a GPS or a 401 for the next 90 days, the next month, yep. and be able to break it down to great. This is what I'm focusing on this week. You just nailed it remind people where they can go to get the book the site to go is amazon
2: just go to amazon and type in fix this next and again if you're willing to do it now uh, i promise you it's the greatest way i can serve you it's it's a it's the most affordable thing i can do and it is five years of my research and knowledge it's it's the notes from my brain of what i've discovered of how businesses manage crisis and again if you do do it now the amazon surge kicks in and it starts marketing Like They start matching up to other books. They rank it, and other entrepreneurs will start discovering it. So it will serve other entrepreneurs. That's how it serves me. So thank you. Yes.
0: So folks, we all have a choice that we need to make right now. And it's an important one because we're 58 minutes in, and you have a decision whether that 58 minutes will be you spending your time or you investing your time. And there's a clear difference. It's an expectation of a return. And it comes down to your clarity on how you can actually put this into action. So here's the question. Out of everything that we talked about here today, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? Folks, congratulations. And and sincerely, um, we are in the business of helping you better invest your time by having a relationship with your goals so you can achieve extraordinary results. And we appreciate you investing the last hour with us. Um, This will go up on our website and it will also be out on the One Thing Podcast. Please share it with those that you care about and be safe, head down hard up and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Jeff. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with... Best selling author, Mike Michalowicz. Folks, out of everything that you heard in this episode, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? What I love about Mike is his way to make um, things that can be really complicated, like how to navigate your business in this crisis, seem a lot more simple. Look at the hierarchy of needs of your business. Is it sales for you? Is it profit? If you could only focus on one area, what's the one area you can focus on such that by focusing on it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? We sincerely hope that this brought value to you. And if it did, who are some people that you know that need to hear this? Would you be willing to share it with them? And if you are new to the One Thing podcast, welcome. Click subscribe so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And while you're at it, would you consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player? It really means the world to us. Not only do we love to read your messages and get your feedback, but it also helps us reach more people as well and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time by having a relationship with your goals so you can achieve extraordinary results. We really appreciate you investing your time with us here today. And if you'd like to join us on our next webinar, head on over to theonething.com slash monthly webinar. Until then, we look forward to being with you